The Beat Church in Pflugerville, Texas. Bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. So we're going we're gonna to go for it. Amen? Amen. So uh, awesome. Well, it's good to have everybody. This last week was really fun. We gave out tons of water bottles. We were giving showers. Uh, people coming in showering. They're coming in drinking water. You know, there's still a lot of people, believe it or not, that still don't have good drinking water. Still. And so if you got yours back and you're like, wow, it's amazing. I got good drinking water. Uh, you know, I guess I was drinking my water and it was on a boil notice or whatever. I don't like my water boiled, so I just drank it. It's really good. Delicious. Um, had all kinds of issues going, I don't know, but I guess I, maybe I should have boiled it, but a lot of people don't have water, and they're still out there looking for it, and you know, water is important, right? How many of you guys were excited when you could finally take a shower, right? How many of you were excited when your spouse could finally take a shower? Amen, praise God, amen, and when your kids were actually, for the first time ever, actually begging to take a shower, right? Instead of like, go get in the water, I don't want to, and the kids are like, can I please shower, please, please? Water is so important, right? Didn't it bring a great appreciation for water? You know, there's people all over the world that don't, they still don't have running water, and they, they won't. It's not like their pipes need fixed. Like, they just don't have it. I mean, we are in a privileged place to have water where we can tap into that and that we can use it. And so when we gave out the water from the church, what was interesting is when we first started, uh, we were just, uh, just collecting water and, and giving it out, and it's hard to find it. The stores didn't even have it. And then it dawned on me, like, we have a well. Like we're on a well. We're not on a no water thing here. So we can actually just have people bring their buckets and fill them and they can take them home. And they went and they took it and they took it home and they drank it. And I didn't even realize that at first. So like we're going to the stores, you know, you're going to stand in line, you're going to try to get those water bottles. We're having people bring them, we're picking them up. But then we have water here. And, and that got me thinking about Jesus. Because oftentimes we go to all these sources right, in order to get fed, to get filled up, to get encouraged, to get rehydrated after the world's been kind of drying us out. And all the time, we already have a source. It's already there, and we just forget it. I mean, this well was on the property the whole time. And it's like, oh my gosh, we got water. It's like right here. What are we doing? Well, sometimes we go out and we try to get motivational books, and we try to get our friends to encourage us, and we try to get family to build. All these things we're trying to do, you know, it's, oh, it's got to get encouraged. Meanwhile, we already have the source. It's already there. God's already with us. He just wants us to come and to connect and to spend time with him. So that's what we're going to be talking about today is Jesus as the living water. But first, I got a couple of people to come up here and help me out with an experiment. So Ethan, come on up and stand right here. Uh, Jeremy, come on up and stand right here. Betty? Right here, you want to stand right here? So I brought some water. Um, I didn't bring well water. And I asked them all, well, first I asked my son. I said, would you do an experiment with me? And my son said, what is it? I said, well, it doesn't work like that. He's like, well, no, what is it? I said, it doesn't work like that. He says, then I'm out. <laughs> He's like, I'm not doing it unless I know what it is. So I'm just going to give you each a water bottle. The tops have not been broken. These are brand new. You weren't even suspicious until I said that. Now you're worried. But you check them. They're good. And so well, this is what I want you guys to do. I also want April to come up. April, come on. She volunteered to come up because she just loves the spotlight. It's her favorite. You know, it's on my bucket list. Yeah, April. Let's give April a hand. This is on my bucket list. 
I said, I don't care what happens, but no matter what, before I ever leave this church as a pastor and I retire someday way off in the thing when I'm bald and, and older, I am going to get April up here on the stage. And you know what? Bucket list achieved. Mark it off. She's here. So um, you're only going to have one job, okay? You don't have to speak or anything. You can just wait there and just, just stay there, and I'm going I'm to invite you here in just a second, okay? So I want you guys to open up your water bottles. Okay, this is... Look, Nestle, guess what? Pure life. This is pure life water. This is like pure, this is good stuff. Okay? Take a drink and swallow it. It's like a regular drink. Good water, right? Refreshing. Now, do you want me to tell you what I put in it? No, that's a joke. I didn't. Good water. Okay, now, what I'm going to do is start with Betty and come down the line. I want you to fill your mouth with water. Don't swallow any of it. Okay? And then you're going to spit it back into here. That's all you're going to do. And then you can sit down as soon as you're done. You don't even have to wait. Push it around a bit. Spit it in. That was worse for me than it was for you. I'm up here. Come on, Ethan. There you go. I appreciate that. I appreciate the extra effort. All right, Jeremy. Oh, thank you, Jeremy. That's beautiful. Okay, now, I only had one job for April, just one job. She didn't have to speak, she didn't have to do anything. Literally, the only job I have for April today is to just drink the water. April, this is pure life. Where's the bottles at? Hold it up. It's pure life water. This is from Nestle. Did you guys switch the water out, or is it the water that you actually had in your mouth? Is it the same water? They switched it. They didn't switch it. That's a so. That's a real. It's the same water. Okay, April, you can have a seat. Thank you. Okay, I'm a bit of a germaphobe myself. It's hard enough for me just to hold that glass, Pastor Art, but. It was the same water. It's the same water. Why wouldn't, any, why, why wouldn't April drink it, do you think? Same water. It's polluted. It's contaminated with what? It's got a little bit of Jeremy in there now. It's got a little bit of Ethan in there now. It's got a little bit of, are those guys bad people? So then what's the problem? What's the problem? Okay, here's, here's the point. Even if someone is good, even if they're likable, even if they're kind, even if they're believers, when they take something in and they put it back out, by definition, by nature, it gets altered, it gets contaminated, it gets changed a little. Whether they intend to or not, the fact that they had it they swished it around, and they put it back out. It means it changes, right? It is the same with God. You can talk to someone else who's read the word. You can talk to someone else who spent time in prayer, and they have received directly from the source 
and swooshed it around in their life and their emotions and their experiences and their thought patterns, and then they share that with you, and even though it's still the word, even though it's still from time in prayer with God, because it's gone through their processing, by the time it now moves to you, it has in some form or another had some change to it. That's why it's important to draw your own water. That's why it's important to not always depend on the YouTube guy. To always depend on the podcast guy. To always depend on the Facebook guy. To always depend on that person that you sit down and have lunch and coffee with. And what do you think? There's a lot of things that get said that are from God, that get passed along, that by the time they go through multiple people, because a lot of times you're not even getting the first swish. I just didn't want to do that demo up here. A lot of times what you're really getting is you're getting Betty, who then spit it over to Ethan, who then spit it over to Jeremy, who then spit it over. And by the time you're getting it, it's gone through the person who originally read and prayed, and then they passed it to somebody, and then that person heard it, and then they shared it on YouTube, and then that person shared it, and then a friend shared it over, and then that's where you're finally, okay, well, wow. And it's already processed for so many times, and that's why there's so much teaching and so much stuff that we learn about God that really seems to be burdensome and weary, and it drains us, and it tires us out, and it dehydrates us. And it, it's like, I thought this was supposed to be healthy, like God said, if I, if I don't live in sin, like my life will be better and be more free. But I keep on trying and my life feels more difficult. The burden feels more heavy. Things are harder. I keep giving, but I'm not prospering. And I feel like, oh, I thought if you give, you prosper. It's because we get these third, fourth, fifth, sixth hand swishes. And by the time we're taking in the word, it doesn't really resemble what God was trying to say in the beginning. What he was really trying to say. You know, we've said this before in the church, but I know most of you have heard the great unbelievable scriptural empowerment that God will never give you more than you can handle. Problem is, it's not biblical. It's not in the Bible. In fact, if you read the story of the Bible from Genesis all the way through Revelations, almost every single time, and I only say almost because someone might find an example that slides out, but I'm pretty sure it's 100% of the time that every time God gives somebody something to do, it is always more than they can handle. And requires faith because without faith it's impossible to please God. And it requires them to come in and say, okay, Lord, what is it that you are going to do to help me in this situation? Because it's too much for me. It's too difficult. It's too hard. Moses had that problem. God said, go deliver the Israelites. Millions of people. Go bring them out of slavery. Well, that sounds great. I'm going to do it. He's like, I stutter. I don't even know how to speak. What am I going to do? Then he gets them out of Egypt and out in the desert. How am I going to feed them? I don't know how to do this. This is bigger than me. It goes all the way through the Bible, story after story after story after story. And yet, we hear that God says he won't give you more than you can handle. Why? Because that word has been swished through over and over and over and over again until it finally comes out to something that doesn't really resemble what he originally said. This happens a lot. And so it's important as a believer to not only come and to hear the word, and I try to swish as little as possible and just give you what God's saying. But even I have swished the word that I'm sharing. Which means that even when I share something, you've got to be diligent to know your own Bible. You've got to be diligent to know the word, to be in prayer. I'm going to be up here for years and years and years and years and years. Is there a chance I'll say something that someone could pull me off to the side later and say, man, I don't know what you just said, but I think you're off. And they would be right? There's a pretty good chance. 
There's a pretty good chance that I'm going to do that from time to time, even if I try not to, because I still filter through some of my own experience, my own interpretation, my own things that I've been through. So it's important to be back at the source. So we're going to jump in here to the Word. We're going to get into some of these stories. And if you are um, up in the booth, I'm going to flip these slides myself because there's a lot of them, and I want to go through them quick without you having to try to try to keep up as long as it connects me. It may not do, so you might be doing these. Let's see. Nope, there we go. We're on. Okay. We're going to start out in John chapter 4, verse 7 through 9. And there is a lot of scripture. If you look in your bulletin, we're going through a lot of scripture today. So this is going to be fast-paced. Okay? This is a sprint today, not a marathon. Okay? But I want to give you some idea of the promise of God for living fresh, direct water into your life. Okay? So that you can access it. Monday through Saturday, not just for 40 minutes on a Sunday. Okay, that's my, my goal, is to encourage you and direct you that way. John 4, 7 through 9, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food, and the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew, and how am I a Samaritan woman? Or, and I am a Samaritan woman, how can you ask me for a drink? First of all, there was racial tensions there. Jews and Samaritans were extremely against each other. So first of all, she's like, one, why are you talking to me? And two, why are you asking me for a drink? Like, we're not even supposed to interact. We're talking a greater division than, you know, these water fountains are for whites, these water fountains are for blacks. I mean, this was like, you just don't even talk, you don't connect, you don't pass by the same areas, you're not supposed to interact back then. So this is what's going on. She says, uh, for Jews don't associate with Samaritans. Well, John 4.10, Jesus answered her. He says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. He's like, if you would have asked me, I would have given you not just water, but I would have given you living water. Okay, well, first of all, how would she know that? She's just talking to some dude at a well. I mean, that's kind of weird, right? You walk in the restaurant, you know, and you, like, ask the guy at the counter, say, yeah, I'll take a, I'll just take an ice water, your, your waiter or your person serving you, and he's like, well, if you would have asked me, I would have gave you living water. But you lose. You didn't ask. Like, I don't even know. I didn't know that you had it. Like, he hadn't told her that he had it. But he's making this point so that we can all hear it and see it, to be aware, to be alert, to look to God and to ask God for things. And she says, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? She's like, I'm staring at this well, and there, you don't have an ability to get down there. Like, I don't understand. She's still thinking he's talking physical water. She says, are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well? And drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock. John 4.12, Jesus answers. He says, everyone who drinks the water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water willing up to eternal life. And this is where he kind of breaks out and says, okay, you're talking about this well that was dug. By Jacob, who was her forefather, who came back through history. And this is something that he did to bring them water and to help them as a community, to help the generations to come. So this is a, a, a person creating a natural thing to help others. And there's a lot of great people that have created things to help us in our faith, in our life. There's great pastors. There's great evangelists. There's great missionaries. There's great people that have founded even like this country. There's, there's great people that have done natural things to help us. And as the years go down, we can still look back and say, well, they're the ones that helped us. 
And Jesus is saying, do you know what? That he did that, but I've got something better. And it doesn't come from the stuff that we do out here. I have something for you that's in here, that's inside. Okay, and I'll tell you that when he says that, that sometimes even as a Christian, the church, meaning the building, the Sunday service, is the well. Like, well, I go there, and that's what fills me up. Praise God. I pray. We pray every morning before church, and part of our prayer is, Lord, take what we're going to do, and please do more with it. Do something with it. Touch people's lives. Touch their spirit. We're glad that you come to the well in order so that we can try to share the word, and we can worship together, and we can fill you up. But Jesus is promising a well that you don't have to go to. Meaning that if we don't have church, if it gets closed down, if we get snowed out, if we get COVID out, if we get something happens that keeps us from coming, that you can still receive. That if it's Tuesday, you don't have to say, oh, I'm thirsty, but I get a drink on Sunday. That he wants to give you something that's available all the time. That it's there, that it's ready to go. It's not dependent upon me as a pastor. It's not depending upon anybody else, but you can receive it. John 7, it says, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood up, and this is later, he's left the lady at the well, and he said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty, he's, this, is, this is a significant time later, and he's still talking about water. This wasn't something he did one time with the lady at the well. He kept talking about this, he kept bringing it up. Let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water, there's that thing again, living water will flow from within them. We're not talking about just living water like, okay, they're going to be filled enough for themselves. But he's talking about water that's going to fill you to the point where it begins to flow out. And you begin to become a blessing to those around you. And that's what he's going to do. Jesus dies. He goes to the cross. The Bible teaches that when he went to the cross, that the veil between the normal part of the temple and there was a big veil with multiple layers behind that was the Holy Spirit. That was God's Spirit living there. And that behind that veil, you couldn't go unless you were a certain pedigree or a certain level and only a certain amount of times and you had to be holy and righteous. Well, when he died, the veil tears and the Spirit comes out. And the Spirit, the Bible talks about, is the living water. And God's promise is that he would send his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit would actually come and live within us. That's a mysterious thing, but somehow that God comes in and says, you've been doing everything on your own, of your own, and with your labor and your work, but I'm going to bring your sp my spirit, and I'm actually going to come and, and partner with you. I'm going to come into your life. I'm going to come into who you are and help you to change, help you to live differently. It says, by this he meant that the spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive, up to that time the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So he dies, he the Holy Spirit comes, Acts 4.31. After they had prayed, these guys went up and they're, they're all in the room, all these people, and they're waiting on the Lord saying, God, what do we do? Jesus has died, he's risen, he's left, like we're here, like what do we do? It says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So all of a sudden, like the Holy Spirit, they already were believers, but the Holy Spirit comes and fills them up with boldness and with power to be a witness, to share the gospel, to share the good news with people. Where they were timid before, they come and they share the gospel. That's what happened to me. You know, I used to actually literally hide in my closet and not want to go out and talk, like literally, because I had paranoia of people. People would come to my house. I'd go hide in the closet. I'd do these things. I would come into church. I'd go to the bathroom six times. 
I go to the drinking fountain 10 times. My wife's like, why are you doing that? You're not thirsty and you went to the bathroom. I'm like, yes, I am. It's a, I, just, I need another drink. I got to go to the bathroom. I was going to hide. Nobody talks to you when you're getting a drink of water. Nobody talks to you when you're in the bathroom. I didn't have any boldness, but when God saved me and then he came and he put his spirit in me, it changed and boldness began to come and I wanted to talk to people because there's this thing in me, this well that's building up and it wants to come out. And I see somebody struggling and I can't help but say, you know, there's an answer for this. There's an answer for this. God loves you. God cares for you. God wants to help you. There's an answer. There's a way through this. I know you have an addiction, but there's a way through this. Not by trying to just restrict yourself, but by God changing your heart and moving through you. Like there's, there's an answer. A boldness comes for that. Romans 8 says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves. It's not about just control. That's not what it's about. So that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. In other words, something happens spiritually that there's actually a modification in your identity. Before, I was just a person trying to live by God's standards, but I wasn't. But now that I'm actually a part of his family, and God's putting his spirit in me, and he's sealing me, and he's connecting me together with him... My nature, my person, I'm beginning to change. I'm a part of this other household. I'm a part of this other family. I'm learning these things. Like I'm becoming a part of this. 2 Thessalonians 2, 13 says, God chose you as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. That God comes actually by his Spirit and begins to sanctify. Sanctify means to set apart. That's what it means. It means to be set apart. There's justification, justice if I had never sinned, God cleanses you. Sanctification is set apart for him. It'd be like if I had a bull up here and it was the bull for our dog Kai. He drank out of that. And Kira ran over there to get some water. We have this problem all the time. She always is going over there trying to get water. We say, no, Kira, that bull is sanctified for Kai. It's set aside for Kai. That's all that word means. Sounds really spiritual, but that's all it means. It means that it's set aside for. So when somebody says, well, you know, God wants to sanctify you. Well, what's that mean? I don't, want, I don't know if I want to be sanctified. <laughs> Help me. It just means God wants to set us apart for his use, for him to do what he wants to with in our life, in every area, in our relationships, in our mind, in our desires, in our jobs, in every area. He's saying, you know, I want to set you apart from me. But the Spirit comes to sanctify us, to set us aside. It doesn't say sanctify yourself. It says the Spirit does it. So not only does God justify us and forgive us of sin, but God actually then starts to work in us to set us apart. He changes our desires, changes our heart, and it begins to come from within. He actually wants to make us new. In Titus, it says he saved us through the washing of rebirth and, so that's the cleansing, and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. He cleanses us, and then he renews us. He changes us. He repurposes us. So here's some of the work of the Holy Spirit. I've got quite a few of these. We're going to go through them. But the word actually here says, The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, and will teach you all things, and will bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The word there is actually parakletos. And what that means is that he's a counselor, a teacher, an advocate, it's like a legal advocate. It's like, I'm in trouble. I don't know what to do in this situation. And you have like a legal advocate that says, okay, this is how we're going to get through this. This is how we're going to do it. Okay, we're going to work through it this way. 
and he helps you and he walks you through and teaches you how to live after Christ. So God promises that the Holy Spirit, not just a pastor, not just a counselor, not just your own strength, not just a YouTuber or a Facebook guy, but the Holy Spirit will work in you to help teach you and direct you and move you towards how God wants you to live, what your purpose is, what his calling is on your life, how he wants you to interact, how he wants you to do things. Okay, number two, restore original source of knowledge of good and evil. This is something that the Holy Spirit does. In the garden, all the problems of humanity came. And Satan came and tempted Adam and Eve and says, you know what? If you eat of this fruit, you'll have the knowledge of good and evil. You'll be able to know and you'll be like God. And ever since then, we all wanted to define our own truth. Well, that's your truth. Who's heard that before? Well, that's good, man. That's your truth. There is no your truth. There's God's truth and then all of us getting in line with it. That's the reality. Whether you face the reality now or you face the reality on Judgment Day, that is the reality. God made us. God designed us. God laid things out. It's his truth. You know, we know this in a small scale when you're at a job and you tell your boss, you know, he says, hey, I want you to do the food this way, you know, and get it out to the customer. You're like, well, actually, I like to do it like this. And he's like, no, we do it like that. Well, this is the way that I like it, though. He's like, well, that's not going to work. And you say, well, I'm sorry, boss, but this is my truth. Like, I like it like this. I like to do the bacon, and I lay the eggs over the top, and like, no, no, you're fired. Because somebody has to do it my way, because why? I'm the boss, right? If you're a parent, you know that. You tell your kids, hey, clean your room. They say, oh, it's clean. You open the door, and you look in and say, no, it's not clean. Well, it's clean to me. Well, I'm not talking about your clean. I'm talking about my clean, and that's not my clean. So that's got to change. And so he's talking about actually lining up with his truth, and the Holy Spirit comes to do that. It says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Jesus is saying that I leave. For if I do not go away, the helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, check it out, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness. In other words, he's going to restore this whole pattern of good and evil. He's going to decide what's sin, what's righteousness. He's going to reveal it to you. He's going to talk to you. Hey, David, come sit right here, bud. Thank you. He's going to do that. And so he's going to restore it. Why? Because God wants his rightful place and his authority back. That's what God wants. God wants to be in charge. He wanted it from the beginning. Why? Because he knows what's healthy. He knows what's right. He knows what's the way. Okay? And so that's what God wants. And so the Holy Spirit comes to do that, to reorder your life, not just to make you feel better about your truth, but to bring you back to God's truth. Number three, he wants to dwell in us. This is where you hear, oh, I got Jesus in my heart. Well, what does that mean? This isn't what we're talking about today, but he's talking about the, the triuneness of God, that there's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and that God works together as one in our life, and that part of that is that he comes as the Holy Spirit, and he enters into our life, and he actually comes and he resides in us as, as a living temple, the Bible says, that he actually lives in us. He's actually with us. Now, that's a real, oh, okay, good, Jesus in my heart, but imagine if you really took that seriously. If you really took that seriously, because I know that there's some things that you probably wouldn't do if I was there because I'm the pastor, right? Well, the pastor's here. I wouldn't do that, right? There's some things that pastors wouldn't do because the people are there. Don't do that. The people are there. They think we're better than this. <laughs> but imagine if God's really living in you and you're flipping that movie on or you're browsing that pornography or you're calling your wife that. Or you didn't make your husband dinner. Oh, sorry, that came out wrong. Amen. 
just seeing if everybody's listening. But just imagine. Just imagine. He says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church and lay your life down for her. But you're not willing to serve. You're not willing to help. You're not willing to fold a little laundry, to do a little stuff. You're not willing to help with the kids. You're not willing to do whatever the thing is. You're like, nope. God's living in you. Shouldn't it change the way that we live if we really take that seriously and we're aware of it? You know, well, I have grace, and grace says that, you know, that, I'm, I'm, that God's forgiven me, that God's covering me, and I live under grace. Well, that's true, but you still live with God. And God's desires, his way of living and thinking hasn't changed. He loves what he loves. He is who he is. That motivation, that feeling you get sometimes when you see somebody struggling, you're like, oh, I should go help them. And then you're like, no, I don't want to. I don't want to get involved. And that's the spirit of God trying to say, hey, let's do this. This is what I like to do. I love this. And you're like, nope, nope, nope. I don't want to do that. We've got to let God have his way in our life and how we do things and how we live and how we work because he actually is coming to live within us. Number four, the Holy Spirit reveals God's mind to us. Man, I wonder what God thinks about this. Well, we read the Bible, it gives us direction, and the Holy Spirit gives us direction. It says, these are the things that God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God, for who knows a person's thoughts except for their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except for the Spirit of God. And so God's Spirit gives us revelation, gives us wisdom in the things that he wants us to know and to understand that are too big for us. We can't wrap our head around it. God, why is this happening in my life? Why am I going through this? Why was I abused as a child? Why do I struggle with, you know, this disability? Or why do I have this sickness? And why does my kid have this? And what are you doing? Why did I lose a loved one? Why did I lose a child? Why did my parents get divorced? Like, why did this happen? I'm suffering through this. And where were you? Well, the Holy Spirit wants to walk us through and reveal where he's at in these situations and how he wants to live with us and what he wants to do through them. Number five, he brings revelation, which establishes our identity and purpose. I keep asking the God of our Lord, this is Paul talking, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that he may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. God wants his spirit to help us to know him better. Not just to obey him better, but to know him, to know his love, to know his heart, to know what he thinks, how he feels, what he wants us to do, to know him. And he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, not just the obligation, not just the suffering, not just the difficult path of being a believer and trying to live godly life. The hope. Why don't I have any hope? I keep failing. I keep stumbling. I keep falling. The hope. The hope. The Bible says that hope does not disappoint because it's the love of God shed apart in our heart through Christ Jesus. It's not a natural hope. Well, hope is gone now. Hope just died. It's an eternal, godly hope because he who began a good work in you, the Bible says, will be faithful to complete it. He wants us to understand this hope. Well, the Holy Spirit is who ignites that. The Holy Spirit's who brings that up 
and reminds us of it. For he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same, and we sang about this today, the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and sealed him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. The power that God wants to bring at work in your life to deliver you from depression, from addiction, to give you the courage to start that business or that ministry, to restore your marriage, the same power that God used to raise his son from the dead is the same power that God wants to put at work in your life. Not just an affirmation in the mirror. I'm a good person. People like me. I'm smart. I'm intelligent. I'm a winner. That's great. Encourage yourself. But there's something greater that doesn't come from that. It starts from inside as an identity that God wants to bring that literally flows out of you and says, no, I am a child of God and his spirit's at work in me. And there's a power to overcome anything that comes in the way of what God wants to do in my life. It doesn't matter what it is. You know, my own experience as a pastor, we, we planted this church because God called us to plant this church. So we saw all of our stuff. We moved from Oregon. We come here, and we've done business for 20 years, always been successful, never had a business failure. Everything worked. The Midas touch, boom, that works. I started businesses sometimes and just shut them down because I was bored, and they were making money. Come here. We open up a furniture store. Within six months, we're out of business. Hundreds of thousands of dollars gone. And I'm like, well, What happened? Everything works. God, I'm here doing your will. It's your purpose. And then COVID comes. How do you build a church when you can't meet? We spend four months on Zoom. Like all these things are happening. Well, guess what? If I was just working from here with all the business strategy and all the planning and all the stuff, just trying to, I'm going to grind it. Man, I'm a grinder. I got my hustle on. I would have burned straight out. In a hurry. But it's the same power that rose Jesus from the dead that comes in, and when you're in your prayer time, when you're in the Word, and He says, No, I called you to reach people and to bring hope of Jesus and to help people, and I am with you. It's me, Jesus. I build the church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So just keep doing it. Well, that's the same for you. It doesn't say the same power that raised Jesus from the, dwe- from the dead dwells in your pastor. It says in you. He's talking to all the believers. Whatever God's called you to do, you're an adoptive parent, you're a foster parent. Whatever God's called you to do, and you're struggling sometimes saying, how do I make this work? You were abused. I don't know how to forgive. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, and it's by his spirit and by his power that you're able to overcome and to do these things. The same power that I have. I don't have a different power. I don't have a different source. He didn't say, I've got living water, and there's all different kinds. Let's see, we've got living water, a little A, B, C, and then we've got the super living water for somebody that's a minister. That's not what he said. It's the same water. It's the same work. It's available to everyone who believes, everyone who follows God. Number six, he gives power to be a witness. That's what he comes to do. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness. You know, 
receiving the Holy Spirit. Some believe that if you receive the Holy Spirit, you begin to speak in tongues. Some believe that that's not true. Here's the bigger truth. If you have the Holy Spirit working in you, he wants to bring boldness to be a witness for Jesus. That's what he wants. He wants boldness to help people in need. And that's not just boldness because you're afraid they won't like you and because of cancel culture. That's boldness because when he says, hey, help them pay their rent, and you look at your rent and you say, I can't afford it, but I feel God's telling me to do it. Boldness, faith, courage to rise up and do it anyway with boldness because I know that God's with me and God's going to help. Boldness. That person's suffering. They just lost a loved one. I don't know what to say to them. Boldness. To be a witness as a comforter, to go and say, I will sit with you. I will love you. I will, I will just sit here. I don't know what to say, but I will be here. I have no idea what to tell you, but I will sit by you. Boldness. That job's too big for me. It's more than I can handle. Yes, it is. It's not more than God can handle, and the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you to handle that situation. So put yourself in the situation. Number seven, he leads us into truth. But when the spirit has come, the, the spirit of truth, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I have said the spirit will receive from me what, I will, what he will and will make known to you. So here's the thing. He will bring truth into your life. As you read the word, as you pray, God will begin to show you and to bring truth. I don't know how to fix this, Lord. Well, here's the truth. This is how you do it. Lord, I don't know how to do it. Here's the truth. This is how we do it. He's going to walk you through those things and bring truth. And you know what? We are in a culture that needs truth. And it's easy to say we're in a culture and they need truth. But it's also true that we're in a culture and we need truth. Like, I need truth. I need to walk in God's way. I need to, I need to do this myself, not just point out there. Number eight, imparts gifts to each believer. This is the cool part of what he does. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To the one there is given the Spirit, a message of wisdom, another a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between Spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. Well, don't we all get the same thing? That's not fair. No, we don't. We don't. We get different things. The primary driver of God's heart is not fairness, it's love. And love is expressed, guess what? When gifts are distributed unevenly, but they're all needed, what happens? Everyone has to bring their gift to the center and help each other. Love wins. That's why he distributes Differently, not because he likes them better, so there's some prophecy for Jenna. I'm not a big fan of Donnie right now, so I'll probably just give Donnie, you know, this one. It's not very important. 
No, he gives everyone a different gift so they all come to the table and they all connect and then they help each other and they love each other and he builds love out of that. The Holy Spirit does it, but this is all part of the Spirit, which is what Jesus was talking about, living water. All of these things come not just because we have effort, but they come because the, the living Spirit of God is in us causing these things to stir and to happen. As we ask him for a drink, as we come to him and say, Lord, help me. He will help us in our weakness. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans, and he searches our hearts, and he knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Sometimes there's things in my life that I'm like, i got to have this change, and I don't know what to pray. Like, I keep acting a certain way, and I don't even know how to fix it. I keep thinking a certain thought, I don't know how to, un- I don't know how to unthink it. There's something going on in or around my life. I don't know how to change it. I don't even know what to pray. Well, David prayed, Lord, search me, try me. And he said, look at me, find secret sins, find anything in me, Lord, look, help me. That's going to God and saying, that's what the Holy Spirit does, is he actually teaches us even the things that we don't know and prays for those and helps us in our weakness. Number 10, he gives us the ability to live righteously. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, I live in this body and this body has sinful desires. The Spirit gives life because of righteousness. The Spirit brings the life of God and helps us to live his way. I don't want to forgive, but I can. I don't want to share, but I can. I don't want to be joyful, but I can. I don't want to have faith to move a mountain. I just want to sleep under the tree at the bottom of it. That's all I want to do right now. But God brings faith. Get up, move forward. I called you to do this. Number 11, he transforms our lives from the inside out. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh he doesn't say try harder. He says walk by the Spirit. How do you walk by the Spirit? All this stuff about the Spirit, all this stuff about getting a drink from this, this living water, all this stuff about living through this living water. Here's how we do it. You do it by going in what Jesus told the woman at the well. He said, if you would have asked me, I would have given it to you. Instead of trying to draw it on your own, come ask me. He's talking about prayer. He's talking about interaction with God. He's talking about that time. I don't have time. I'm too busy. If you don't have time for prayer because you're too busy, then yes, you're too busy. You're too busy. Too busy to be a believer. We have to make time if we believe that our source is the living God of the universe to say we don't have time to stop and spend 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever the length of time is, to just sit at his feet and say, Lord, I need you. Then we are too busy. We've got to make time for that. Not just time to get through our requests, but time to listen to his. What do you want from me, Lord? What are, you, what are you talking about? What are you telling me? Spirit, what do you want to do? How do you want to help me with my anger? How do you want to help me with these different things? And let his spirit work in us. What do you want me to do about my job? What do you want me to do with this ministry idea? Nothing? Something? What do you want me to do for my neighbor? Like sitting and listening and waiting. But he wants to transform us from the inside out. But it says they are at conflict with each other, these two things. The spirit and the flesh. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. It's not under striving and working. But the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. He's just listing off all kinds of stuff, making sure he hits everybody. He's probably looking around the room, and he like, knows what everybody's problem is. And so he's making sure he nails everyone. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. 
He's hitting him. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Good thing he didn't leave us there. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Where do we get the fruit? How do we grow it? How does a tree grow fruit? It just sits there. That's what it does. It just sits there by the water. And it sucks the water in and it sucks the nutrients in. And guess what? Growth happens. We grow more. We become more like God. We accomplish more when we'll take the time to come and just sit at his feet. Sit on the banks of his presence and say, fill me up. Fill me up. Lord, I'm here. I'm waiting. Fill me up. Fill me up. I know, but it just doesn't feel like anything's happening when I'm in my private prayer time. When I read, I don't get anything. When I pray, I don't hear anything. Trees don't hear. Trees don't have feelings, and guess what? They still produce fruit. It's not about hearing and feeling all the time. It's about consistently drawing from the source. And then all of a sudden, somebody comes and says, wow, do you know what? You sure seem different. What are you doing differently? I don't know, nothing. Well, I mean, I have my prayer time. I don't really feel anything happening then, so it's probably not that. But that's the only thing I've changed, so maybe it is that. <laughs> it's happening. It's changing. Because what we take in changes who we are. If you don't believe that, live on donuts for the next three months. It's going to change who you are, believe me. Not just your size. It's going to change your energy levels. It's going to change everything. What we take in changes. It produces. But I didn't feel like that donut was doing anything to me. Guess what? It did. It does. Sitting in the presence of God isn't always about what we feel is happening. It's about what is happening in faith. Okay, we've only got two more here. Number 12, seals us in adoption. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal. When you were adopted, boom, you were sealed, done. You are now his child. We adopted Kira. She was just here. She's running around. She's probably in nursery now. We adopted little Kira. It's permanent. It is permanent. It's not temporary. It's not a trial adoption. We signed the papers. The judge did the decree. And she is sealed as a part of our family. Forever. Never change. That's what he's talking about. The Holy Spirit comes in and seals us into God's family, seals us as a connection. Why? Because he actually comes in and begins to live in us. No, this is mine. I'm here. That's my kid. I become a part of God's family. The law obligates and denigrates. It means it obligates us to do something, and then when we can't measure up, it denigrates and tears us down. Okay, but the Spirit liberates and elevates. Here's Galatians 3, verses 1 through 4. First, it liberates us from the law, and then it elevates our life and our actions and our activities. He says, Oh, foolish Galatians, he's talking to a church, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you'd seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Did you do this by trying to be really awesome? Is that how you became part of God's family? Is that how you became a good Christian? By just trying to be more awesome? 
Of course not. You receive the Spirit because you believe the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? God's grace was good enough to dig me out of the ditch, but now I'm a Christian, so now it depends on me just being better. No. Same Spirit that saved you is the same one who sustains you. Same one who grows and changes you. The same spirit. I'm just as desperately in need of the Holy Spirit working in my life, of the grace of God today as I was 20 years ago. Nothing's changed. He's the one that lifts me. He's the one that holds me. Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain. So we're going to end on this verse, John 4.10. Jesus answered her. We're going back to the beginning of this message. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. God's invitation is for you to come to him and say, Lord, I've been struggling, I've been trying, and it's difficult, and I get worn out, and I'm going out everywhere I can to get a drink. Lord, I'm reading books, I'm going to support groups, God, I'm getting on YouTube and watching stuff, I'm on Facebook reading every meme I can find or every little inspirational post. Lord, I'm doing all that. I'm, doing every, I'm going to every source, and I'm still worn out and dry. Maybe I'm not cut out for this. Lord, I don't know what to do. God's invitation to you is come to the source. Don't get the swish from someone else. Come to me. Come in prayer time. Come in the word. Come to me, and I will fill your life up and bring it back let's bow our heads father i just pray for everyone that's here lord i ask god that you would lord just draw us father deeper deeper lord into a relationship with you father i pray that you would stir by your spirit god a desire lord to read your word father to spend time in prayer to wait on the holy spirit Lord, to let you actually instruct and fill and empower our lives, Lord, that the, the way that you want to, the way that you promised to, Lord, there's a lot of scripture we went through today. And it doesn't even scratch the surface of all the scriptures on what you want to do in and through us, Lord, by the power of your spirit, not by the power of our own strength. God, I pray that you'd encourage everyone that needs encouragement today. God, help them to leave here, Lord, filled up with faith, God. As faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So, Lord, we commit the word to you today and ask that you would bring faith to live by the Spirit, to spend time with you. God, to let their life be changed, not by our own efforts, God, but by your work in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, guys, thanks for being here. I love you guys. Stick around. If you go down the hallway down here, there's some refreshments, there's coffee and things. Stick around and make some friends. The church is not just gathering for a message. The church is a place to have family and community and connection. Amen? Thanks for being here. Love you guys. Take the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.